Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Complete Sports Media's podcast. I'm your host, Darren Campbell, and joining me as usual on the Sundays is uh, Jason Cameron. Hey, Jason, how are you? I, I am good. I am good. It is not the greatest of days today, but we did have a great day yesterday. So, so you know, one good, one bad. Eh, that's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've been pretty lucky with the weather. Today was definitely rainy and not, not that great, but so many football games on, uh, you know, that didn't feel too guilty about uh, being on the couch, uh, watching all the games. Uh, you mentioned just before we got came on the air, it is crazy how much football games all happen at once on a Sunday. It's uh, it is a little hard to follow sometimes. Yeah, there there's a lot. There's a lot to take in. Like once you you begin to say to yourselves, okay, well, I'm just going to try to catch up on this game and this game and this game, and then, and then it's like, wow. It's, it's a lot of games. <laughs> a lot of games. It takes a yeah. lot of time. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Even just watching, uh, yeah, some highlights. It, it can take an hour and a half, a couple hours to, yeah, catch up on it. But I'm glad you did. And uh, we've got lots to talk about. Uh, we're reached the three quarter mark in the NFL season, down into the last four games for everybody. And uh, yeah, a lot of um, very interesting division battles are shaping up. Uh, we're seeing the, the playoff. Uh, picture really uh, show it's how it's going to turn out and um, yeah a lot of really good teams and a lot of really bad teams not a lot in the middle uh, uh, yeah what's um, out of this weekend what you know what kind of came out to the forefront for you with these teams <laughs> okay 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 uh, one thing that did come out to the forefront was this I think there's a league rule that you have to beat the Jets like I think that's actually a thing <laughs> okay, that's number one. Number two, I didn't actually realize this, and I should have, but I, well, I don't follow the Jets that much. Frank Gore is still playing. Yeah. Jesus. Amazing, what, what, isn't it? That is, that is that's ridiculous. Yeah. Does that mean he's been in the league for like like 20 years? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's actually um, third all-time in rushing yards now. So, uh, you know, you don't think of Frank Gore as a Hall of Fame career, but when you're you know, when you've actually had that much longevity and uh, to be the third all-time rushing leader in yardage, uh, it's incredible. It's amazing. And, but he's in New York. No, you know, you think you'd know that, but, uh, yeah. you know, people don't want to follow that team. Uh, they're so bad. And you don't even know who's there. Exactly. Like, I, 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 didn't, I didn't know. I'm sorry, Frank. I didn't know you were there. I didn't know you were locked up in purgatory in the Jetsville. So yeah. I apologize for that. But, hey, that is an amazing accomplishment by Frank Gore. Yeah. That game was, uh, you know, fun to watch, obviously, for local people here, uh, Seahawks fans, 40-3 uh, to three, uh, complete drubbing. Uh, Russell Wilson um, left the game after throwing four touchdowns. Uh, Geno Smith got to come in, and uh, he was drafted by the Jets. He actually uh, got to play some, uh, some minutes today. And, uh, yeah, look decent. Must have been fun for him to say, uh, F you guys. Uh, I'm coming in and showing you yeah, I'm a lot better off here in Seattle than I was in New York. Yeah, yeah, man. Like, number one, he, he got out. That's great. That's yeah. fantastic. And now he's on a, on a winning squad. So, for anybody, if you can get out of Jetsville, you got to get out of there. You got to yeah. get out. <laughs> well, Jamal, Jamal Adams um, made it out. Uh, he was able to um, make that move to Seattle, and it's worked out really well for him. Uh, he just set an NFL record today with his 
eight and a half sack. He has the most sacks ever by a DB in NFL history. So uh, really good contribution. And uh, he got the record against his former team too. Yeah, man. Great contribution. And also too, again, he did the right thing, just like anybody else that's had the opportunity to leave, they've left. And then all of a sudden, because it's kind of funny if you think about the people that have left the Jets team, they went immediately to winning squads. Jamal Adams went to the Seahawks. Le'Veon Bell went to the Chiefs. And then all of a sudden, it was just like, it was downpour, raining, thunderclouds. Then all of a sudden, sun, rainbows. Oh, this is beautiful. I love my life now. Great. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it's so crazy that a guy can go from the uh, outhouse to the penthouse like that and, and have just such a huge turnaround to his career. It's fantastic for those guys. Um, yeah, the, the, the Jets just looked horrible again today. Um, DK Metcalf had another big game, six catches, another touchdown. That was 10th of the season, really playing great. Uh, Chris Carson got a, a TD. He was um, 12 rushes for 76 yards, three catches for another 22. Will Disley had a touchdown catch. David Moore had a TD catch. Freddie Swain, another TD. That was the most the Seahawks have scored all year, 40 points. Uh, they definitely ran it up a little bit, but uh, they decided to give Russell the whole uh, part of the third quarter and the whole fourth quarter off. Uh, they didn't want to embarrass him that bad, I guess. So that was uh, nice, of, nice of the Hawks to at least give the Jets a little bit of a chance. Well, it, it's sportsmanlike, right? Because Pete Carroll – Pete Carroll's actually a nice guy. He's yeah. a real nice guy. That's why he said, well, you want to you take some time out for a sec? And Russ is like, well, I kind of would like to play, but Coach is like, no. Just, I think we got this. I think we, we got, got this. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 40 to 3, we got this. So, yeah, it's good. Uh, you Seahawks don't blow up many teams, but uh, it was nice to see them do that. Um, we're uh, about uh, 25 minutes away from the Sunday nighter. Uh, should be a fantastic matchup between the Steelers and the Bills. Steelers, 11-1, and one, had their first loss last week. Bills uh, under Josh Allen, a fantastic year, 9-3. Uh, supposed to be really, really strong wins in the forecast, so might be more of a running game tonight than a passing game. Uh, this is the Steelers' third game in 12 days because of COVID cancellations, postponements and stuff, so a little tough for them. Uh, the Bills are coming off a short week also, but um, not as uh, intense as the Steelers have. And the Bills are 5-1 and one at home this year. I played really, really well up in Orchard Park. Yeah, it, it's going to be a great game. Uh, but like you said, it's going to be a run-heavy game, especially if the winds really kick up. Because, you know, trying to kick field goals and stuff, that's usually not – that's an adventure. It's just an adventure. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know what's going to happen there. James Conner's coming back from an extended absence, so that's a big plus for the Steelers. Uh, I think if the Steelers had a running game last week, they probably uh, could have kept themselves um, undefeated. But, uh, yeah, didn't really have much of a running game and, and took the first loss. But, yeah, I'm looking forward to that game. Uh, we'll be able to see most of it when this is done. And the Monday night or tomorrow night, it's an AFC North battle. Uh, the Ravens at 7-5 and five facing off against the Browns 9-3. and three. They met in week one, and the Ravens embarrassed the Browns 38-6. to and, But the Browns have been 9-2 and two since and, and beating uh, a lot of crappy teams. But, uh, you know, the last week they looked really great. And, um, yeah, this should be a nice battle. Uh, it's always 
AFC North, I've always liked those battles. They're usually very good defensive, a lot of running, and it's usually really close. Yeah, and, and I believe that uh, the Baltimore will actually have a lot of their players able to play this game uh, due to COVID and stuff, and I think there are, a lot of players are going to be coming back to this game. So we're, we're going to see what the Browns got for, like, a real top team. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to both games uh, uh, Sunday night or Monday night. It's going to be fun. Let's turn to some of the action this afternoon. Um, the Colts had a huge win. They're uh, 9-4 and four now. They beat the Raiders 44-27. Uh, Jonathan Taylor was the, the biggest star in this game. Uh, 20 carries, 150 yards, and two touchdowns. T.Y. Hilton got a, got a couple touchdowns as well, five for 86. And Rivers uh, looked great, 244 yards through the air. Um, yeah, huge win for the Colts, and they keep rolling. A lot of people said that um, uh, Philip Rivers just couldn't do it anymore. He was not mobile enough. Uh, he's went to the, the Colts and, um, yeah, had a really, really fantastic year. Yeah, he's had a fantastic year. Somewhat, I guess, maybe you could say even a career resurgence because I don't think many people had the Colts doing as well as they have had have oh. had done this year, for sure. So, um Hats off to the Colts. A great win. Dominant win against the Raiders team. Yeah. Uh, another uh, late game had the um, Chargers and the Falcons. Both teams have had some really heartbreaking losses this year and had a lot of hard troubles. Uh, it was the Falcons' turn to have another uh, tough loss. They lost right at the, at the gun. It was 20-17 to 17 as Michael Badgley hit a winning field goal in the last play of the game. Uh, the Chargers were coming off a 45 to nothing embarrassing loss against New England last week. And uh, so nice for them to bounce back. Uh, Jonathan Eckler, uh, sorry, Austin Eckler came back and then had a really big game. 15 carries, 79 yards on the ground and nine catches for 67 through the air. And Keenan Allen, as usual, nine catches, 52 yards and a touchdown. He uh, came into the uh, game today tied. Um, tied with uh, Devontae Adams for the most catches in the NFL uh, this season. And, uh, yeah, still looking good. But Herbert looked good. Chargers had another big win. Um, yeah, they're, they're still uh, – yeah, they're out of the playoffs, but uh, a big win there. Yeah, and also, too, they finally managed to get a win where it was close. They didn't yeah. lose this game. They managed to win this game. So that, that's, uh, that's a great feather in their cap for this one. And then uh, people need to know, understand that Keenan Allen's definitely one of the best receivers in the game, and he's proving it again this season. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Uh, Packers had a, a big win. They moved into first in the um, NFC with a 31-24 victory over the Lions. Um, Devontae Adams had another big touchdown. Marquez Valdez-Scantling with a TD. Aaron Jones looked good. Jamal Williams looked great. Uh, Tanyan had another TD. Uh, Rodgers, um, yeah, just looking really strong, uh, leading the league with touchdown passes, and and uh, the Packers are rolling along, looking like yeah, they're the front runner right now for that that lone buy in the NFC. Yeah, uh, the Packers are rolling, and uh, they looked fantastic against the Lions, but the Lions, unfortunately, uh, from uh, the top down, I, I don't think they know what direction they're going in at this point in time. And then they need to figure that out for the upcoming season for sure. But the, the Packers look great. 
And then Devontae Adams just keeps rolling along with his partner in crime, Aaron Rodgers. <clears throat> yeah, definitely. Yeah. The uh, uh, the Cardinals had a, a big win over the Giants today. Giants had a big win against Seattle last week, but came back down to earth. Uh, Daniel Jones came back, but just was, it really wasn't effective. Kyler Murray looked good, um, 244 yards through the air and a touchdown. DeAndre Hopkins, as usual, nine catches, 136 yards. And Kenyon Drake had a big game, touchdown run. And uh, Hassan Reddick had five sacks himself on Daniel Jones. Uh, absolute monster game for their linebacker with, uh, with the Cardinals. Uh, huge win. Yeah, huge win. And that was a franchise record by Hassan Reddick. So him and uh, uh, the Giants quarterback there got to know each other very, very well during the course of this game. Really well. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm sure he was trash talking him quite a bit throughout. And uh, yeah, it looked tough for Daniel Jones out there. He didn't have much time at all. He was laying on his back more than he was standing on his feet. Yes, he was. He was kind of looking at his offensive line saying, it'd be great if you guys just blocked somebody. Anybody, please. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. Tough. Uh, they needed to keep pace with Washington, but they didn't. So Washington's first in that NFC East there. Uh, Chicago had a big win uh, today over Houston. Uh, a bit of a surprise. Uh, 36-7 victory uh, for Chicago. And uh, Trubisky looked good. He was um, 24 for 33, 267 yards and three touchdowns through the air. David Montgomery was huge on the ground, 11 carries for 113 yards and a touchdown. And he also had three catches for 42 yards through the air. And Allen Robinson, another huge game, nine catches, 123 yards and a, and a TD there. And the Bears are um, hanging around. They're uh, six and seven. They still got a shot at the playoffs. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll see what uh, shakes down. Houston, another lost year, and, uh, you know, Bill O'Brien, uh, that's the <laughs> Bill O'Brien factor there. Oh, my God, is it ever the Bill O'Brien factor? But unfortunately for Deshaun, he had the same problem that uh, Jacobs had for the Giants. Nobody was blocking anybody, and he was just getting sacked continually throughout the course of that team. Uh, tough game for Watson. Yeah, brutal. Yeah, they were missing – uh, David Johnson, their running back. Uh, they had a guy named Greg Howell Jr. filling in. Uh, 11 carries for 42 yards, but don't know much about that kid. Uh, Chad Hansen was their, their top receiver. Uh, seven catches for 56 yards. Kiki QT got another TD, but um, yeah, Houston, another lost season there. Not, uh, not very good. Uh, Cowboys um, had a big win. Uh, 30-7 to seven over the Bengals. It was Andy Dalton's return and revenge game against the Bengals. Um, that was uh, good for him to be able to come back and say, hey, I still got it, and uh, show them uh, convincingly that they can win. Yes, yes. It was a great win by the Cowboys against the Bengals. Uh, C.D. Lamb had a great game. And, jeez, uh, it, it was just really good to see Dalton back on the field to play after suffering that concussion. So Yeah. Yeah, that was really good. Really nice. Um, the Chiefs uh, keep rolling, had another huge win. They wrapped up their fifth straight um, AFC West title and uh, had a win 33-27. It was a pretty close game. Tua played well and had 316 yards, a couple TDs, but had a pick. Uh, Mahomes 
uh, was a little uncharacteristic with three picks. He had only had two picks the entire season up till this game, but um, the Chiefs had enough weapons to uh, be able to take this win, 33-27. Well, this is what I'll say. The Dolphins definitely didn't give them the win, that's for sure. The, the Chiefs really had to earn it, but what the Chiefs showed is that they got that quick strike offense that can just put points on the board in a in a hurry. Yeah. In like in like in a hurry, man. Yeah. So and then with that being something that he can always rely upon, that's how they can win those games. Because normally you're not gonna win games when you have three interceptions. No, not usually. No, that was really surprising. Uh one of the interceptions went to Xavier Howard. That's his ninth INT for the Dolphins, and that leads the league. We talked about him last week getting eight. Uh, he's got another one. Uh, Tyreek Hill had a TD run, 32 yards, and a TD catch, 44 yards, and looked great again. Two touchdowns. Kelsey had eight catches, 136 yards. And Travis Kelsey actually has an opportunity to lead the league in yardage as a tight end, and that's only been done once, I think, in history. And uh, so, yeah, it would be pretty miraculous. Um, yeah, the Chiefs uh, definitely are the class of the AFC. And, and uh, yeah, keep rolling with a fifth straight title there. And that's pretty impressive. No, no, that is super impressive, especially against, like, an up-and-coming Dolphins team that you could say for the future there's going to be some rivalry there for sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, turning to the Broncos-Panthers game, um, Drew Locke had a career-high four touchdowns there and had a big 32-27 win um, over the Panthers. Um, Deontay Spencer had a huge 83-yard punt return for a touchdown. K.J. Hamler was the hero today. Two catches, two touchdowns, 86 yards through the air. Patrick and Bennett uh, both had touchdowns as well. And, uh, yeah, it was a pretty great game for, for Denver. Yeah, great game for Denver, great game for Drew Locke, and he, he looked fantastic. Uh, and his favorite receiver, obviously, was Hemler today, and he was uh, definitely the recipient of some great balls thrown his way. Yeah. The, uh, the Eagles had a huge upset over the Saints today, uh, really surprising. Um, they finally benched Carson Wentz and went with Jalen Hurts. Uh, they didn't use Hurts a uh, huge, huge amount, but – he was able to get a touchdown pass, had, a, had his first TD pass of his career. And, uh, yeah, wow, uh, very, very shocking that the 3-8-1 Eagles can beat the 10-2 Saints, uh, but, but it happened. It, it did happen. It, 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 it was shocking because you'd think that even with uh, the fact that, yes, the Saints don't have Drew Brees available, that uh, Taysom Hill would just continue to keep rolling on as he has been. But uh, they ran into that buzzsaw of an Eagles team. And so, you know, sometimes <laughs> these things can happen. <laughs> yeah. uh, Miles Sanders um, was uh, amazing today. He, he had 14 carries, 115 yards, and two touchdowns on the ground. Uh, Jalen Hurts' numbers were 17 for 30, 167 yards through the air, and one TD. But on the ground, he was 18 for 106. Through, um, so, yeah, he's obviously uh, very – Amazing scrambling um, quarterback and, uh, yeah, gives uh, defenses some fits, I'm sure, uh, not being able to cover them one way or the other. Yeah, well, you know, like he just kind of emulated some of the great other running running quarterbacks from Eagles uh, history like Michael Vick, Randall Cunningham, and uh, he kind of delved into that 
drew that up and said, you know what, I'm just going to call my own number a couple of times. <laughs> Should be great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 18 carries, that's uh, huge for, for um, a quarterback. Uh, Taysom Hill's been doing stuff like that, but uh, yeah, it was a pretty impressive debut and pretty cool to see. I don't know, uh, they, they definitely can't get off of Carson Wentz because of his contract, uh, so uh, we'll see what they do, uh, you know, if he gets back in this, this year, but um, yeah, with, with such a huge win, I can't see them not going with Jalen next week. No, I, I think they definitely go with him because right? I, I think they've, they've seen what Carson Wentz is all about this year and well, they're not liking that look. So <laughs> no. I think Jalen gets a, definitely another start going into the next week. Yeah. Um, Taysom Hill uh, had a really good game, 28 for 38, 291 yards, two touchdowns, uh, also 33 yards on the ground. Uh, they didn't use um, Alvin Kamara too, too much uh, on the ground, only 11 carries, 50 yards. He did get a TD there, uh, seven catches for 44 yards uh, through the air. Michael Thomas had a big game, eight catches, 84 yards. But uh, as I said, yeah, the Eagles had the, the huge win. So, uh, yeah, what else is there? Uh, the Oh, the Titans had a huge blowout win against the Jags. Uh, Jags had their 12th loss in a row. Um, we talked about Mike Glennon quite a bit over the last couple of weeks. Uh, he looked pretty good. Uh, he got benched today, uh, through a pick and they, they benched him, put back Gardner Minshew in there. Uh, Derek Henry was, uh, the beast of the weekend, I believe, uh, 26 carries, 215 yards on the ground and a couple of touchdowns, um, fourth 200 yard game in the last couple of seasons, uh, eight consecutive road game uh eighth or ninth it might be ninth now eight, ninth consecutive road game with 100 plus yards um they just keep showing graphics and it's barry sanders and lt and jim brown and derrick henry uh it's been cr incredible week after week he's um up against the, some of the best backs in the history of the game yeah yeah because he, he's getting into that legendary status right now because of what he's able to accomplish and it's just been, it's been amazing to watch him work because yes, he's a big man and yes, he has all the power of the world, but you know, like you think the grind would eventually get to him. Doesn't seem to be doing anything. He actually seems to be getting stronger. Yeah. That's scary. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, in the last two seasons, he's, as I said, he's got four 200 yard, uh, games and the rest of the whole entire nfl combined has only four um he has the most ever 200 yard two touchdown games in history with four now and lt barry sanders and jim brown are second on the list with three um and another incredible guy that they have we've talked a lot about too is aj brown did you see his uh Touchdown in the end zone with a one-hand grab today. Miraculous one-handed catch. And it was just like, it just looked like he was picking it from like a tree, picking an apple from a tree. That, that's what it looked like to me. Where I was just yeah. like, ooh, that is nice. That is oh, nice. Man. Now, now, did he, did he leave the game with an injury, though? I didn't see that. Uh, hopefully not, right. but I, no, I did not see that. Okay, because um, it, it seemed like in one of the plays he did pull up lame. So, and I did not see him again in that game. So I, I'm not sure exactly what his status is, but hopefully for the next week uh, he will be good to go. Yeah, but yeah let's... And, then he, and AJ Brown did have a great game. This uh, he had a great game. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, it says uh, he limped off the field. Um, no updates so far. He had he had an ankle injury coming into this weekend, um, so maybe he aggravated it. But that's all I see on the report so far. So okay, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't want to lose that weapon. Um, okay, let's get into a couple more of the games to finish it off. Um, the Bucks uh, went to eight and five today. Tom Brady uh, had a pretty great game. Um, they are eight and five now. Uh, put the Vikings down to six and seven. Um, really amazing pass by Brady to Scotty Miller uh, in stride in the end zone, 48 yards. Ronald Jones had a big game. TD run, 18 carries for 80 yards. Gronk only had one catch, two yards, but a touchdown. Um, but Antonio Brown looked pretty good, five catches. Evans had a 56 yards through the air with three catches. Um, Bucks had too many weapons for the Vikings today. Yeah. Hey, but let's just look at all the names you just mentioned. Like, Jesus, that receiving core is ridiculous, actually. If you look at that, it's like, wow, who do we cover? I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's, it, is, it is actually insane the amount of weapons that Tom Brady has. So it's great that he has that many people to choose from and how to attack you. So it's like pick your poison with this team right now. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, and I didn't even mention uh, Godwin, uh, who's you know one of their probably you know their one of their top receiver right now. So uh, yeah, incredible. Uh, I guess the final game to talk about is the Washington football team moved to six and seven, uh, first in that uh, NFC East. Uh, beat the 49ers 23-15. 49ers fell to five and eight. Uh, the tough. Part about this game was Alex Smith went out with a right leg injury, the same leg that he uh, broke in two places and missed um, two seasons uh, worth of football. Um, yeah, really uh, holding my breath and uh, sure hope that uh, it's nothing serious there. Yeah, yeah, I, I really do. I hope that that's nothing serious because his comeback story has been just really, really inspiring. You know, just really, really inspiring. And then also, too, he's leading this Washington team right now to wins. Yeah. Uh, you know, more wins than I thought that the Washington team would get. And, then, and, and also, too, like we've talked about this before we started. When is this team going to get a, a name? Like, are they, are they going to do that? Like, is, there, is that going to be a thing? Or are they just going to be known as Washington from now on in? Is, is, that, is that it? Washington. Washington, yeah. <laughs> I hope so. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's just, it's so hard to just keep saying the Washington football team. And yeah, it's, uh, it's dumb that they didn't, they weren't able to come up with the name, you know, they must have some strong, you know, smart people other outside Dan Snyder, the owner, uh, there's got to be a few smart people in that football department uh, that could come up with a name, but uh, yeah, uh, sure hope that they do for next season. Yeah, yeah, that, that would be nice, Dan. Like, it'd be nice that if you let the people, you know, do their job, you know, get a real name for this team. And then so, you know, we can move on. We can move on from this. Yeah. And just get over it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sorry. You can't have the Redskins anymore. Stop pouting and give it – just pick another name. Pick yeah. another name. Man. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Yeah, well, um, great um... – Great week of football. Week 14 is uh, only two games left to close out the week. And uh, as I said, yeah, the playoff uh, picture is really starting to take shape. And I'm excited. There's games actually next Saturday. 
Uh, we're getting to, you know, see games coming on the weekends now. We're only uh, three weeks out of the, the when the playoffs start. And, um, yeah, as uh, Christmas draws closer, um, yeah, this, the NFL gets always really exciting. And, uh, yeah, I think there's some really, really tough football teams this year that uh, it's going to be a huge battle to win the Super Bowl. It, it is going to be a big battle because now, because of the situation that we're all caught up in, there's always that in the background, yeah. along with your professional sports. So it's just, it's going to be different, but at least they're playing. Yeah. And so, and that's, and that's a good thing. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So that was fun. Um, yeah. Nice to be able to watch so many games and uh, yeah, it was great. Uh, that Sunday, uh, Sunday nighter starts uh, any minute here and uh, yeah, should be, should be a great battle. I'll give you some updates. I'm sure through, through the night. Uh, why don't we turn to the NBA? The NBA preseason finally kicked off. Shortest offseason in um, team history and or league history in any of the major sports here in North America. Only 71 days between the Lakers getting crowned champions and uh, this preseason starting. Uh, there were some teams that have missed games since March. They didn't make the playoffs. The hiatus happened, and they didn't get to play uh, any more games since. So. Uh, I'm, I bet you they're happy to finally hit the court. Um, I didn't see LeBron and AD in that Clippers-Lakers game to start off this preseason. Uh, a lot of guys are taking uh, some load management time off. Uh, I, I couldn't believe uh, how many guys I was seeing uh, that were playing some minutes in some of these games. 15, 16, 17 guys were actually playing games, which uh, yeah, doesn't happen in the NBA. So. It was, um, yeah, it was an interesting weekend. I, I watched a bunch of the games, but I was disappointed how few stars played. I know. There, there's obviously there's going to be a disappointment there, but at the same time, this has kind of been the trend over the last couple of years of stars just go, preseason, huh? Well, that's not the regular season, so I'll see you then. <laughs> and usually when the preseason hits, it's, you know, you're lucky if they play a quarter. Yeah. Maybe even two, you know, like they're not going to be playing all that much because the teams are looking at it as we can't risk them getting hurt in the preseason. So we're not going to try to play them all that much. Yeah. And then also too, the best of the best. They're usually just like, well, it's kind of like an Allen Iverson thing. We talk about practice. No, no, wait, we talk about preseason, <laughs> preseason. Yeah, you know, like, yeah. it's, you know, it's not, that important for them because they know that they can turn it on when they need to yeah yeah i guess you're right uh yeah it's unfortunate i, I feel bad uh you don't feel bad for the fans because there's no fans in anywhere so um, you know you're just uh having a flick it uh after the first quarter just change it to the other game and watch the next starters play on the other team and uh yeah i watched the raptors game they looked fun um you said you watched that too uh, they, uh, they're missing Kyle Lowry, who they left back in Tampa. They said no need for him to come on this trip and play. So um, it gave a lot of other guys uh, opportunities to play. And, um, yeah, they, uh, they were down really badly early. But, uh, yeah, the three ball got, got them to catch up and, and uh, had, had a big convincing win. Oh, yeah. No, no. All of a sudden, because when I was watching the game, I think, I think at one point in time it was like almost like 28 to three or something. So it was something ridiculous. So I'm like, what are they doing? Are you, you guys playing? Like, what, what the heck is going on? And then all of a sudden, the threes, it just started raining threes. It just started raining threes. I think 
I saw Pasquale hit at least four threes in that game too, four to five. And it they looked fantastic. Once they got it rolling, once they got started getting it going on, ooh, it, they look great. And yeah. uh, Matt Thomas for sure. Matt Thomas and the Flynn kid, uh, the rookie, both oh. of those guys, knockdown shooters, knockdown yeah. three-pointers for sure. Uh, yeah, they, you're they, right. They, yeah. Malachi Flynn, yeah, there's um, been a lot of talk that he's a, a really, really talented scorer and and uh, should should be able to um, you know make it in this league and uh, yeah he looked great in this in his first opportunity and uh, Matt Thomas uh, 16 points led the way Terrence Davis had 13 um, yeah they they looked great uh, there was Siakam Van Vliet Boucher all all contributed um, yeah I was impressed and uh, happy to see. Uh, I noticed them um, because the Raptors are homeless away from uh, Toronto. They're down in Tampa. They will have to travel the most miles in the whole league in this first 37 game half schedule. Uh, they have uh, figured it out that it's 35,514 kilometers that they're going to have to travel to these games. Uh, they play actually 20 games on the road and only 17 in Tampa Bay. Wow. Wow. That, that is uh, quite the commitment that they have to do to get these games played. But I understand the situation that they're in because, well, Canada has different rules than the U.S., clearly. So this is the sacrifice that they have to make. But at least Raptors fans, don't worry. It's not going to last forever just for this season. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, they're playing Charlotte again tomorrow, back-to-backs uh, with Charlotte. So, uh, yeah, they've got a, a few games. Uh, I think they only have uh, three preseason games, and then uh, they start for real on uh, Boxing Day. So um, the Clippers and the Lakers was the, uh, the opening game of the preseason. Uh, I was interested to watch, and I hoped that LeBron and AD would play, but they didn't. But Kawhi and PG-13 uh, – did play, played uh, pretty good. They only played 14 minutes each. Um, Montrez Harrell was the big story in, in this game, getting his revenge on his old L.A. team. Uh, he was able to get 13 points, 12 boards in limited time. And, um, yeah, he uh, he looked good. And uh, the, the Lakers and the Clippers will be playing on the opening night, uh, second game of the season. Uh, the Warriors um, play the Nets uh, first, but uh, that Clippers-Lakers um, game should be fun right off the bat to, to start the year. No, no, that, that should be a great game to, to start, us, start us off right for this uh, NBA season. And then also, too, I want to say that PG and Kawhi, those are two guys that actually need to do some work in the preseason so they can actually, I don't know, play together because that seemed to be an ongoing thing last year. So if they want some sort of continuity, some sort of, you know, like chemistry to develop, like real chemistry now going forward with this team, that's got to be something that they got to do. They got to be on the court playing with each other a lot more this year than they did last year. Yeah, well said. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh, they were, you know, supposed to go uh, as far as the Western Conference Finals and they didn't accomplish that. They, uh, yeah, they fell much short of their goals and expectations and, and, uh, yeah, they're going to have to prove it. Uh, they handed PG-13 a max contract uh, this offseason a few days ago. And, uh, yeah, he's expected to step up. He didn't play that well in the bubble. And, and um, yeah, we'll see uh, what this 
what this season shapes up to be. But I'm looking forward to, yeah, the Battle of L.A. again. Uh, it's really cool that they scheduled the very first game to be the Warriors and the Nets and KD getting to have uh, some revenge against his Warrior teammates. And uh, KD and Kyrie had their first games today. Uh, they both played really well in the first half. Uh, Kyrie had 18 points, four assists, and KD had uh, 15 points, uh, three assists, and three rebounds in 24 minutes. So, um, yeah, they uh, – no, I guess not 24 minutes the first half, but he played a little bit in the second half. Uh, but, um, yeah, I thought I thought they looked good. KD hadn't played in a couple of years. I think it was June the – uh, June the 10th, no, maybe it's a, it's been a year, June the 10th, 2019, uh, he was out since, and Kyrie missed 52 games last year with shoulder problems, so um, yeah, I thought they looked uh, good to start, uh, didn't seem like they had been uh, that rusty, having such a long layoff. Yeah, well, and then that's good, that's good for Nets fans, because you kind of get a little bit worried about, like, oh, those are significant injuries, how are they going to look when they come back, especially with KD's Achilles tear, because Achilles injuries are usually they that that can be really really bad for any professional basketball player. Usually yeah. don't come back the same way as what you once were. But as you were telling me before, he came down from one of his first plays, drove the lane, had a dunk. That's you testing out your Achilles, and then that means, hey man, I'm back. I'm here. I'm good. So yeah. it's good to see that these guys are playing well and uh, playing up to speed as what they're used to. Yeah. Uh, there's five minutes left in that game, and it's 111-110 uh, for the Wizards, a tight game. Uh, I, uh, yeah, a lot of guys are playing. You know, I think I'm looking down that, the list of guys that have played today, and they're already up to 16 players that have uh, saw the court for the Nets today. So, um, yeah, it gets a little watered down. Uh, one of the things that I really love to see was uh, Steph Curry was back with the Warriors. Uh, he was uh, doing his usual antics before the game, shooting threes, went up to the stands, shot a couple of th uh, shots from the stands, made it. Um, then he came into the game and uh, just, yeah, was shooting threes in rhythm, looked great, and uh, it's really nice to see uh, Steph back and, and seeming like, um, yeah, he hasn't missed his shot. Yeah, you know what? And also, too, they're going to have to be actually leaning a lot more on Steph than than on years prior because he doesn't have his running mate that unfortunately suffered that uh, really, really bad injury. Another Achilles tear for Clay Thompson, which I just, I just really feel for him. Yeah. Like, you know, that's the second major injury after recovering from his knee injury that he already suffered from in 2019 in the playoffs. So yeah. um, I'm, I'm curious to see how Steph elevates his game to, to a certain point with this team because you know, they were looking as contenders if Clay was able to play. But now that he's not, you know, let's see what they can do. Yeah. Yeah, Wiggins played well. Uh, it's, it's nice to see the Canadian um, finding a new home, and uh, hopefully he'll get an opportunity there. And he can play pretty well. Uh, but I always love watching the Warriors play. And, yeah, Clay Thompson's a huge loss. Um, but, yeah, hopefully some other guys can step up and, and play pretty good in his – in his absence, um, yeah, they had a, uh, a win over the Nuggets last night. They played 17 players in that game. So, um, yeah, it went, it went way, way down the depth chart. Uh, I liked watching the Mavs-Bucks game yesterday. That was uh, Mavs winning 112-102. Uh, 
Um, Giannis uh, looked like um, he is not distracted by these contract talks. Uh, he played 25 minutes. He had 25 points and 10 rebounds. Um, Chris Middleton played great. DJ Wilson, another uh, really amazing game. And, uh, yeah, they, they played well, but uh, Luka Doncic uh, was able to lead the Mavs to a, a big win, even though he only played 16 minutes. He played really great. And uh, 18 players played at least six minutes for the Mavs in this game. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, uh, guys that I had never heard of uh, were actually even taking the floor. And even playing six minutes, it's pretty impressive. Well, you know what? I, I think the teams are also, too, they're taking advantage of the fact that you're going to have to have carry more players because of all the COVID stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. And so they might as well figure out what they actually have in some of these guys that yeah. they don't normally get a chance to see. It's like, well, let's see what these guys can do, you know? Because yeah. a lot of these guys are, like we were talking about before, are coming from the G League on two-way contracts just to supplement teams in, in the chance or in the most likelihood of some of these players getting COVID. So yeah. that they can step onto the court and fill those those positions. Yeah, we'll see how it works salary cap wise. I know there's a lot of 10-day contracts that they've had over the years. Um, I, I know that uh, you know with COVID, uh, I think they're expanding the taxi squad. Those guys aren't allowed to practice with the the main team just uh, in case of a COVID outbreak. Um, but we'll see how they're paid. Uh, you know, if they're not playing games all the time with this G League team. Uh, are they going to be paid at an NBA salary level or a G League salary level? And we'll see, uh, you know, how they're able to work the, the cap into all that. Yeah, it, it's it's going to be a very delicate balancing act for all of these teams mm -hmm. going forward with, like, uh, having to carry so many more players than what they're used to. I was really looking forward to seeing Chris Paul play. He didn't play yesterday. Devin Booker looked great and uh, in that game. Um, but yeah, you know, I'm sure we'll see a little more of the same as the preseason wears on. I guess the biggest story so far is James Harden is on a bit of a holdout looking for a trade. Um, he, you know, has expanded his list a little bit. Uh, it's going to be very, very interesting, uh, if and when this trade happens. I watched that Rockets game and I actually really enjoyed it a lot because John Wall and Boogie Cousins got both, both got to play. Have both missed the last two years almost fully with injuries and um, they were Kentucky teammates and so it was really kind of cool to see them reunited and they played really really well both uh, Wall had 13 points nine assists and and five rebounds in 19 minutes and Boogie was um, out there hitting threes looking great moving well uh, he has missed a couple years he had 14 points five rebounds in only 15 minutes but but look great out there, and uh, yeah, it was fun to see. Uh, it's nice, nice when guys can get reunited back from their college days. Of course, it, it's a beautiful thing to see. And then also, too, it, it sounds to me like they were actually able to move the ball, like run an offense as opposed to run the James Harden offense of, well, we're just going to give it to James and watch him work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Hey, uh, exactly. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's nice that they – yeah, they they were sharing the ball a bit there, and uh, that doesn't happen always with with when Harden's on the floor. So yeah, maybe some guys won't be sad to to see him go. Uh, you know, he's he's a prolific scorer, he's led the league in scoring last three years. But but uh, yeah, definitely is usually at the very bottom of the whole league on assists. So it's yeah. not not a guy that likes sharing the ball much. No, well, you know, especially when 
it, the offense is kind of geared around what he does. Yeah. So he has to have the ball in his hands, right? Like he, he has to have the ball in his hands. But at the same time, that doesn't really give a chance for anybody else to get like kind of into the flow of the offense because, well, he has the ball. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I wonder if they'll ever be able to create an NBA uh, type league with two balls and uh, then guys, <laughs> guys can actually uh, not uh, worry about hogging it so much because <laughs> yeah, there's been, uh, there's been a few guys that uh, it's hard to, hard to play with some of these guys that don't want to ever give the ball up. James Harden wouldn't be for that league. No, man, one ball. My ball. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah, it was uh, yeah, it's fun. I'm glad NBA's back. Uh, I can't believe how quickly it only felt like a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago that uh, the season ended. But uh, yeah, 71 days and uh, they're right back at it. Uh, great to see it back. Um, I'm not you know enthralled by the preseason, but uh, December 22nd, we're only nine days away from the opening night. Yeah, I, I can't wait. I am super looking forward to it. Yes, it's been like, it, it just feels like we just saw the Lakers won. Like literally, wasn't that just like the other day? Yeah. And I understand that it is a very quick turnover, but I'm grateful that they're doing it. And I'm grateful that we even get as many games as we're getting for this season. I didn't think we'd even get this many games. So no. Yeah, very true. Okay, well, uh, I want to turn to UFC. First, though, I want to mention our partners and sponsors. Um, Anchor FM has been a great partner and sponsor for Complete Sports Media. Fantastic at posting on multiple podcast platforms, and they call themselves the easiest place to make a podcast. So if you want to do something similar to what we're doing here, just go to Anchor FM, and it's easy to follow the instructions, and you'll be able to, uh, yeah, have a lot of fun like Jason and I have every week. Uh, we've got uh, Verbero. They are a hockey equipment and apparel company, industry leader in technology, performance, and value. And uh, they all like to highlight the V350 stick at 350 grams, lightest stick on the market, explosive, impress your friends, uh, grab a stick and take it out there and score lots of goals and uh, impress uh, the whole entire family. There won't be anybody in the stands, but you'll be able to tell a lot of stories when you get home and and chirp the guys in the locker room with a V350 stick from Verbero. Uh, we also have a great uh, sponsor and partner in Pampas and Possibilities. They design and sell dried florals, floral arrangements, and do installations. They're designers of handmade curated things with West Coast vibes at reasonable prices. And finally, Forever Living, they are the aloe vera company. And they grow and manufacture aloe vera-based products for health and beauty. And, uh, yeah, you just go to completesportsmedia.com. Lots of details there on how you can purchase products at discounted prices. And uh, we appreciate our partners and sponsors. Thanks so much for all your support. Okay, well, UFC was, um, yeah, the last numbered UFC of the year and probably the best card of the year. Uh, absolutely amazing title fight last night. The best flyweight fight, I think, in history. And, um, yeah, man, I'm so excited that the UFC was able to put on such a great card uh, to close out the year for the number of UFC cards. Yeah, yeah. I, I, was, I was overjoyed by what I saw on Saturday night. Uh, every fight was just 
absolutely fantastic. It it it, it blew it blew my mind just how good some of these fights were, especially um, this flyweight contest, which was I I didn't know how Moreno would deal with Figueroa constantly walking him down like the Terminator, but maybe I should have known better that this man has that Mexican warrior spirit that never says die. I won't wilt and I won't yield. Yeah. And I'm and I feel actually very comfortable in the spire. This is just because this is where I live. Yeah. It was an absolute goddamn war. That it was, was awesome. amazing. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. No, it was it was absolutely fantastic. And uh, it was the shortest turnaround uh title fight in history by a huge margin. I think 56 days was the uh, quickest turnaround before that. And uh, Figueredo uh, had a really great performance against Alex Perez three weeks ago. Was able to get him in a guillotine choke two minutes. Um, Brandon Moreno beat Brandon Royval on the exact same card. And they both uh, called each other out, talked about it. Boom, signed the deal. Three weeks later, had to uh, make this fight happen. UFC 256. Uh, the thing that um, came to light at the end of the night was that Figueredo had such a hard time making that second weight cut that he ended up in the hospital till 2 a.m. in the morning and uh, was very compromised with this weight cut coming into last night's event. Uh, that, that shocked me and surprised me. And uh, I don't know, maybe he, he won't be able to be at this weight class very long if he's having this much trouble. Yeah, and then also too, let, let's be honest, like to do those, that kind of weight cut, because he cuts a lot of weight because he's actually a very big guy for – that weight class, like he's probably the biggest guy for that weight class. And once you actually have to go through the weight cut again in three weeks, like that's, that's ridiculous, man. It really is. It's ridiculous. So just knowing that that's what he had to fight through on top of an opponent of that magnitude who brought his absolute best, that's amazing that he was able to fight as well as he did. Yeah. It's just, it's just, it, just it boggles my mind. It really does. Uh, I'm not sure. I haven't seen much of the talk yet, but um, he basically did lose that fight because of the one-point uh, penalty that he took for the low-blow kick that was um, uh, Jason Herzog uh, came over and, and gave him a, a point deduction penalty. Uh, do you think he should have been deducted that point? Uh, he wasn't, you know, it wasn't a second offense. It wasn't something that um, you know he had been warned about before. Um, usually you don't see a point deducted right away off a first time low blow strike, but, uh, what do you think? That's a tough one, right? Because you already had the eye poke earlier on in the fight. All right. So obviously he was warned about that, but the kick that Moreno received to the groin, that was bad. <laughs> that was really like, it was really, really bad. You know exactly how hard that man strikes. And with the team kick directly to the groin, I, I honestly thought, you know what, because in the ruling, it, it actually kind of states you have to take in consideration how much compromise the fighter is going to be going forward in the fight as well. And with a strike of that magnitude, that hard, Herzog probably saw it in his mind, he's actually going to be very compromised now. Going forward in this fight, you got to take the point. Yeah. And also, too, I'll, I'll say this. Uh, Figueredo was very much 
a professional, a pro, when he answered that question from Joe Rogan at the end of the fight, he said, the ref had to do his job and he did his job. Yeah. And then it was my job to, you know, continue to fight on and win the fight. And, and you know, with that fight in mind, I was more than happy with the draw. I didn't think anybody won that fight. I yeah. really didn't. Because I couldn't pick it. I couldn't pick it. Yeah, I, I had the same troubles, and um, so did, so did Daniel Cormier and Joe Rogan. They were both, um, you know, unsure of of who had won that fight when the the final bell uh, happened. Um, yeah, it was it was crazy that it was a draw like that. Uh, two judges had it a draw, and one judge had 47-46 for Figueroa, but a majority draw keeps his belt. Um, I guess. This automatically should be a rematch, though, shouldn't it be? Um, you know, does it does it seem like a complete no-brainer? It is a complete no-brainer. If Dana White says that's the greatest flyweight fight I've ever seen, and it was inconclusive on who won, yeah, you run it back. It's real simple. You make sure that these guys now have more than enough time to recover from whatever injuries that they may have. And then you have this fight again sometime in the spring, April or May, and we run it back and we make sure that everybody is as healthy as they possibly could be so that we get the best out of both fighters yeah. for the next fight. Um, both, uh, uh, both Rogan and um, DC seem to notice the, the big hematoma on Moreno's left arm. Notice he was throwing it less. Uh, Moreno ended up saying he had a problem with his shoulder. Something happened there. So uh, I'm sure, uh, you know, tomorrow or over the next coming days, we're going to find out what, what that injury was. Uh, maybe some, a little more information on Figueredo. But, man, both guys, uh, you know, so compromised health-wise, but still just put on just an incredible war. And, and it, again, you and I have talked about this quite a bit. I can't believe that UFC ever considered getting rid of the flyweights uh, you know, it's such entertaining fights. These, these guys are so quick, so great at transition, so great at so many aspects of mixed martial arts that I just love it. And that, was, that last night was a real showcase on how great these guys can fight. Yeah, because, yes, Dana, they're little guys. The little guys can fight their asses off. Clearly, you've, we saw it. We've seen it. And, yeah, I... I I think a lot of that had to do with the conflict that Dana had with Demetrius Johnson on why he wanted to get rid of the whole division and everything else, right? Yeah. But at the end of the day, clearly, clearer heads prevail because you can't just get rid of great fighters like that. And this division provides great fighters. Yeah. Great fighters. Yeah. And, and we saw Saturday night. Three incredible uh, main events, three weeks apart, uh, or two incredible main events, two weeks apart, three weeks apart, and uh, yeah, I, I loved it, and yeah, I can't wait till they, um, you know, get back at it. Um, yeah, the Moreno was just fantastic, and uh, you're right, that Mexican warrior spirit was was really prominent there. It was only the fourth draw in UFC championship history, the last one being um, uh, Tyron Woodley and. Wonderboy Thompson. Uh, they both got 50k bonus for the fight of the night. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, the the last um, quickest between title fights in the same division was 56 days, and that was Matt Hughes who fought BJ Penn, won the title, 
and then fought GSP and lost the title. And then Ronda Rousey uh, beat Misha Tate and Sarah McMahon uh, in really quick fashion both times. And that was 56 days. And this one was only 21 days apart. So, um, yeah, a lot of fun. That main event was great. But a lot of other really amazing fights on that this card. Uh, the co-main event had Tony Ferguson and Charles Oliveira. Tony Ferguson came in ranked number three. Oliveira ranked number seven in the lightweight division. Uh, Ferguson coming off a really tough five-round battle and loss against Justin Gaethje. But Ferguson has been touted as one of the greatest lightweight fighters in the world for many, many, many years and was always supposed to fight Khabib and never, never happened. Uh, but Charles Oliveira was the man this night. Holy cow, did he ever come in and dominate an amazing good fighter in Tony Ferguson and really vaulted himself up the rankings. Should have an opportunity at a title shot quite soon if he can keep this amazing performance up. It was amazing. It was but How about this? We've never seen anybody do this to Tony Ferguson ever, no. period. He was technically superior to Tony Ferguson in every aspect of the fight game, every single aspect. No. There, was, there was nothing Ferguson could do to change, like, to change the, the trajectory of that fight. No. There was absolutely nothing he could do, especially in the first. That arm bar, normal people tap to that. Normal individuals. No kidding. I can't believe he didn't tap. His, his arm was completely going backwards. It was shocking that he yeah. didn't tap. Uh, luckily, the, the bell rung for him. Uh, if the bell didn't ring, he would have had to tap or his arm was broken for sure. Well, we actually don't know. His arm may have been broken, yeah, right? True. Because that was ridiculous. But I love the Oliveira saying, no, he's a champion. I knew he wasn't going to tap. So it's like, oh, so you knew you really had to break it. Okay, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Like, I just can't believe just how dominant, how dominant Oliveira was. And I believe since he's been in the lightweight division now, I think he's like nine and one. Yeah. And this is the only, this is the only fight that he hasn't finished in like the last eight, which is just ridiculous. Yeah. I kind of forgot about the guy. I kind of forgot about him. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, no, there's so many killers in that division that, um, yeah, it's been, you know, he, you, you don't think of him as, you know, one of the top elite guys. But to be able to dominate El Kakui like that in every facet, uh, you know, almost had the victory right away with that arm bar. Um, and, yeah, just to be able to control him with takedowns, transitions, dominating on the feet, 30-26, uh, um, it could have been – you know, speculating all three rounds could have been 10-8. It was just unbelievable. And, and uh, But you, you do have to give it to Tony Ferguson for not tapping and just being a warrior and lasting that 15 minutes with the guy. Um, yeah, I, I worried that Tony Ferguson took too much abuse against Justin Gaethje and might never, ever be the same fighter. I've seen that, in unfortunately, in history when a guy takes that much abuse. Sometimes it's very hard to come back. Um, but... Uh, yeah, I don't think it was anything that Tony did wrong. It was just something that Charles Oliveira did right and uh, has reached an, a very elite level in his mixed martial arts abilities now. Yeah, it, Tony didn't do anything wrong in this fight. It's just that Charles Oliveira is now that good. Yeah. He is just that good now. You're just seeing uh, like a fighter come into his prime, come into his peak self right now. Yeah. And that's what he did in this fight. And it was 
it was an amazing thing to see a man dismantle a caliber fighter like Tony Ferguson. Yeah, it was super impressive and incredible. Yeah, I, I loved that fight. Um, two really good fights to finish the night there. Um, there was a a really great uh, women's strawweight battle between Mackenzie Dern and Verna Jandaroba. And uh, yeah, these are two very tough girls. I was super impressed with uh, both of them. Uh, we talked about Mackenzie Dern recently. Uh, she had went to Jason Perillo's camp and uh, seemed to get a resurgence and seemed to really be able to uh, get her striking to an elite ability. And, and uh, she was fantastic again uh, in this night. And uh, man, uh, both girls uh, put on a really great performance. It was a tough battle. No, yeah, both of these look, ladies look great. And Dern looked, her stand-up looked way better than her last performance. It looked like she, her hands were flowing a lot nicer. And at first I thought, Dern, you know, I thought she had this fight in the bag because Jandaroba just didn't look that solid in the first round. But then she came back in the second. She really did. The fight was, was up for grabs in the third. Yep. And uh, Dern still pulled it out even after suffering that hard knee to the nose, breaking her nose. Yeah. She figured out it was broken, even though her coach said it's nothing and it's nothing to worry about. <laughs> didn't hear yeah. that. But, yeah. um, but a great win by Dern. She, she, she knew that she had to turn it on in the third, and she did, and that's what got her to the victory. Yeah. Yeah, it was actually cool that they did uh, go into show the corner cam and hear, tell, uh, see her mentioned to Perillo that her nose broken. And he's like, no, it's not. You're good. You're good. Like, you know, what are you talking about? You're good. And she said, yeah, I knew he was lying to me, but <laughs> uh, yeah, he was just, you know, hyping me up, getting me back out there. I'm glad. Uh, yeah. Even with a broken nose, she was able to come out and, and get a big win. And, and uh, yeah, she's 10 and one. Uh, yeah. Moving right up the ranks in that strawweight division should, should be uh, up for some really big battles uh, coming up in uh, 2021 for her. Okay, well, this middleweight fight that happened uh, before this uh, th that women's fight was uh, uh, hilarious, uh, fun, incredible. Uh, there's so many adjectives you can utilize for this fight. Um, Kevin Holland, uh, fifth fight uh, win, fifth win of the year, uh, all since May, and um, he had uh, an incredible knockout that uh, we we haven't seen really. Uh, being on the ground and being able to knock out a guy uh, in the fashion that he did, uh, fantastic fin finish. And, uh, yeah, something I'm going to remember for a really, really long time. He talks a bunch of nonsense. Like, like he's actually – I've never seen it before where the man is a comedian in the cage as he's, like, striking and punching you in the face at the same time. So you're, like, extremely entertained, but he's actually kind of hurting. <laughs> and it, I – to that point, that's where he was able to push off with his legs, gain a little space, and punch him from his back. I ain't never seen that either. Oh. Stunned Jacare, he got up, folded Jacare over like a lawn chair, and began to just swing. Like, I've never seen that before. Wow. I've never seen that before. I'll probably never see it again. It was an amazing win. It oh, was a man. shocking win. Yeah. Shocking how he did that. Incredible, uh, incredible, yeah, to just, uh, yes, see Jacare on his knees and, uh, you know, getting the position, and then all of a sudden Holland went to work and started hitting him, 
hit him on the temple, sort of stunned the Jacare a little bit, and then just started hitting him. And then you just saw Jacare going back, but he was on his knees, so he could only go back so, so far. Like you say, lawn chair. It was a perfect example of that. And that, But, yeah, all, all of a sudden you're like, holy cow, I think he knocked him out. Wow. Oh my God, that was uh, just so impressive. I can't believe the power. He's, he's so lanky but um, just has incredible power in his fist. Yeah, like he's, he's just able to whip around those long limbs and just generate so much speed and power. And his accuracy is obviously always on point. Last time that Jacare had uh, a loss like this, Gegard Musasi, dream, long time ago, he suffered an upkick, and I believe he got knocked out and just laid there out cold on top of Musasi. Yeah. That was the last time that something of that nature's happened. But this, what Holland did, was even more impressive. Because it wasn't a kick, it was a punch. <laughs> Punched him, which is just ridiculous. Because you're not supposed to be able to be able to generate that much power from your back with a punch. No, no, that was uh, absolutely incredible. And he's, um, yeah, he's had just quite the run this year. As I said, since May 16th, he's had five wins. Uh, he beat Anthony Hernandez, Joaquin Buckley, Darren Stewart, Charles Ontiveros, and Ronald uh, Ronaldo Souza, Jacare. And um, yeah, he, you know, could get fighter the uh, fighter of the year. Five incredible wins in seven months. And uh, yeah, he's uh, he actually kind of talked his way out of an initial contract earlier um, on the Dana White Contender Series, Dana said, you know, this guy's a bit of a clown, not really enjoying his trash talk. He's a good fighter, but I don't think he's ready for the UFC. Then they had to make a last-minute replacement, uh, called him up and said, hey, can you um, fight? And he said, yeah. And ever since, he's just, yeah. As soon as they call, they don't even say anything. It's just, he sees the UFC, oh, oh yeah, I'm in, do it. <laughs> and he's coming in, and he's knocking out these amazing guys and and uh, yeah, I don't know about his antics. Uh, he's he makes you laugh a little bit, but um, yeah, I just hope he just go, continues to show his incredible skill and and the ability to knock guys out and uh, continues on and has a you know he actually wants to fight next weekend. He called out Kamjet Kamzat Chamayev, and uh, I'm not sure you know if they can put this fight together for next Saturday, but uh, yeah, it would be incredible if they could. That would be incredible. And also, too, I, I do want to say this. I understand what Dana is saying about, like, how he is. But fighters actually, to a certain extent, have to be true to themselves. Yeah. If that's how he fights, and if that gives him the best version of himself on how to fight, then that's what he does. And I got to be honest, I'm incredibly entertained. I'm incredibly entertained. I think at one point in time, he said, Jacare, you got a booger on your face. You might want might to get that off. Why do I get that off your face? And Jacare said, oh, well, thank you. And he did. And then he knocked him out. All right? That's ridiculous. ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. I, um, yeah, I, I'm looking, I'm trying to look real quickly, see if, um, uh, see if they've been able to put something together. Uh, Chimaev was supposed to fight at this, um, at that uh, card, December 19th. He did get COVID, but it was about three weeks ago. Uh, okay. He said he was still ready to fight. Um, but it uh, it was cancelled 
Um, but yeah, no, no, nothing so far that I see for uh, that. But uh, let's hope I can make an announcement this week that he's fighting uh, for his sixth time. Uh, his nickname is the Trailblazer, but uh, Dana White's calling him Big Mouth, and um, <laughs> that, that Big Mouth has got him into the UFC, got himself five uh, fight win streak, uh, another 50k there, and uh, I think a lot of um, people will be clamoring to see Kevin Holland. Uh, entertainment factor uh yeah off the charts and um yeah it was fun i was glad he was part of this card and and he fought so well again yeah yeah i was super glad that he was part of this card and then i hey the man can talk but guess what he can also back it up because yeah. nobody does that to, to jacare souza nobody but yeah. he did so only yeah. the third only the third fighter in modern history with five wins in a calendar year uh, Roger Huerta, 2002, and Neil Magny in 2014 were able to get five wins in a calendar a year. And um, I think he, uh, yeah, he's got uh, five wins. As I said, Adesanya's got nine wins in that same division, longest streak. And Marvin Vittori, uh, who we talked about last week, has fought four wins um, in that division. Uh, so, yeah, three incredible fighters that are going places. So, uh, fun. Yeah, it was a blast. Uh, to start off the night, there was a heavyweight fight. Uh, to start off the night on the main card, heavyweight battle between Junior DeSantos, former title holder, and the French fighter, Cyril Gane. Uh, only 6-0 and um, in his career, but uh, looks like a very solid, solid prospect in the heavyweight division. Was able to uh, land a huge elbow to the side of Junior Santos's head and uh, put him down. Uh, the referee jumped in and stopped the fight. And um, yeah, really nice performance by, by this guy. He waited until he had this opportunity and then uh, took out the former champ. Yeah, he did. And he did it with uh, great distance management. And he fought at his, at his style, Muay Thai style. Dos Santos needed to close distance so he could get into a boxing range, and he just literally was not able to do any of that throughout the course of this fight. And that's what led him to the loss because he just got picked apart on his feet. He really yeah. did. And uh, there was a little bit of controversy there with where the elbow was placed. I thought from the, the replay that it was placed in still a legal position, which was not the back of the head, kind of close, but still the back of the ear. Yeah, and, and then that's what the ref saw as well. Yeah, yeah, there was a little bit of controversy, but <clears throat> once we watched uh, the replay a bunch of times, uh, it looked like, yeah, he was catching them, not in the back of the head, just to the side. And, um, yeah, he would uh, put them down. Uh, Sigano, um, Junior DeSantos, was ranked number seven going into this. And, um, yeah, this is a fourth uh, – uh, yeah, this is a – a possibility for Cyril Gain to be uh, ranked top 10 coming into this week. And, and uh, yeah, it was a, a nice performance by him. Uh, I didn't know too much about him, but, uh, yeah, he looked great coming into this this fight here. Um, prelim card uh, had some really great battles. Um, leading the uh, way was the featherweight battle between Cub Swanson and Daniel Pineda. And uh, Cub Swanson came back from a bit of a hiatus and got a huge victory, 1 minute and 52 seconds into the second round. Uh, yeah, great performance by Cub. Great performance. 
Pineda came in a little too overconfident, I believe. Um, he was clearly the bigger man. I, that, that, that man is thick. All right. <laughs> Even Cub Swanson said that in the post fight that he was a lot bigger than what I thought he would be. Um, and so he he was really leading in on those leg kicks, really attacking uh, Cub's uh, lead leg, same lead leg that he actually had surgery on to repair. I think uh, problem with his knee. I think it was a torn ACL or something like that. So he was beginning to get compromised. But again, like I said, he was overconfident. And he wasn't respecting Cub's power. Cubs started to tag him a couple more times in that first, wobbled him a bit in the first, and then the second, still wasn't respecting the power, which he should have, and that's what, uh, that's what took him out. Uppercut, right hook, out cold. That's all she wrote. Yeah, yeah, nice. Yeah, I love Cub Swanson. Always have. Um, nice to see him come back from a serious injury. And, and um, yeah, still got the power, still got the ability to uh, win in the featherweight division, even though – yeah, he was definitely the smaller fighter, but um, yeah, maybe used a bit of the speed advantage uh, to help him get the win. Uh, the lightweight battle between Hanato Moicano and Rafael Fiziev was fun. It was a hell of a, a really great first round, and I can't believe the power that uh, Fiziev uh, uh, ends up having. Um, man, he is um, an incredibly powerful dude for this lightweight division. He's a world-class striker. Like, clearly, like to the point where if anybody else is watching that fight, don't stand with him. Take him to the ground. Do not stand with this guy. Like, seriously, don't even consider it. You take him to the ground as quickly as possible. Because some of those combos that he threw, the speed at which that last combo and how he took Moicano out, are you kidding me? That was like me blinking and then he – through three punches. Boom, boom, that boom. That was it. Yeah. You know, like, it was, it was, wow. it was ridiculous to see. Ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, he had a huge knockout on, of Mark Jacasey uh, last time. Uh, this time, yeah, he just seemed to, you know, just be so incredibly world-class striking, as you said. Just, wow, it just blew me away how great he was. He got 50K for that win. That's um, that's his. Uh, he has a five-fight winning streak, and uh, he's nine and one in the UFC. Six KOs. Um, yeah, looking fantastic in that division, and and um, yeah, it was a, a big, big, big win. And uh, I think he's going to get some really game opponents uh, coming up. Uh, the featherweight fight uh, between Gavin Tucker and Billy Quarantilo was really great, and um, Gavin Tucker. Uh, one of Canada's best fighters, really looked super, super impressive. Uh, I really liked his his uh, quick strikes. He threw a lot of really crisp, straight punches and um, looked fantastic in taking the decision win over Quarantillo. Quarantillo is kind of like Bisping in a way where he uses his endurance and his superior stamina as a weapon to just wear you down. And then with the way that he fights, he makes a fight dirty where Tucker prefers a cleaner fight, you know, where, where he has distance and he can yeah. just pick you apart. But even though Quarantillo was trying to make it into a grimy type fight, didn't matter. Tucker's technical aspect to his game was so on point that he just was able to always subtly manipulate the fight to his advantage at every turn, at every point. Yeah. Probably the best I've ever seen him fight. 
represents Canada to a ridiculous degree. He is one of our best prospects coming out of this country. He showed it tonight. It was a very excellent, dominant win. And, and also, too, he was able to keep pace with a guy that had ridiculous cardio as well. On yeah. top of all of that, great win by Tucker. Yeah, yeah. He's so, uh, you know, he's so thick. He's so muscular that you thought maybe he might gas with uh, Quarantillo's um, cardio. But, no, he uh, was able to break Quarantillo's eight-fight win streak. He was uh, superior in the striking. He was able to keep the fight uh, at a bit of a distance where he wanted to. And, um, yeah, as I said, his straight, his straight shots were just finding the mark so good. He's an incredible tactician and uh, great movement. And I loved the way he transitioned to takedowns. Um, he got seven takedowns in the fight. Uh, just, um, yeah, wow. Uh, you know, the Halifax native uh, has really just got so much better over the last couple of years. And, um, yeah, I think the sky's the limit for him uh, in that featherweight division. Oh, yeah. I, I think, I think he's, he's, he's well on his way to going all the way to the top. Uh, I don't know who his next opponent should be, but I, I'm guessing got to be somebody in the top 10 because that was that was an impressive impressive victory by Tucker. Yeah. Yeah, they were uh, supposed to fight uh, a few months back. Uh COVID ended up uh, rearing its ugly head and postponing it and uh you know Tucker had, you know had his head down, got into camp and uh, was in, you know, in camp waiting for Carantillo for for months and months and months and um yeah, it looked incredible. I I I loved it. Great to see Canadian doing so well and um yeah we've got a, one more canadian uh coming next week in um hakeem dawadu and uh yeah it's great to see so many good canadians uh, having good performances uh start off the prelims uh was this women's strawweight fight uh when i went to the ufc um in vancouver uh it was demetrius johnson fought um, a, one of the russian guys and um, had a really great performance. I was sitting cage side, and right in front of me was Tisha Torres sitting with uh, Matt Hughes, and uh, got a chance to chat with him a little bit. And I've always really uh, thought Tisha has an opportunity to be a really top-level fighter if she can just focus so much of her attention on it. And, uh, yeah, she, uh, she looked really, really super impressive against Sam Hughes, with, who was a late late replacement uh, for Angela Hill, who had to pull out. But, um, yeah, Torres just uh, blasted through her and, uh, you know, was able to win uh, when uh, Hughes ended up saying that uh, she couldn't see out of her one eye. Yeah, you know what? It didn't matter, to be honest with you. Like, Torres's speed advantage was so, so over the top that Hughes couldn't even really respond to it, you know? Mm-hmm. And she just, she buzzsawed right through Hughes. Uh, maybe that was probably for the best. I'm going to actually say this. It was probably for the best that her eye, she couldn't see through it because she was just going to get beaten up even more so in rounds yeah. two and three. There yeah. was no way that Hughes had any shot of beating Torres on this particular night. She looked fantastic. Yeah. Utterly dominant. Yeah, that's a tough. Um, that's a tough couple. Her and uh, Raquel Pennington. Uh, yeah, two tough girls. And and Tisha Torres looked better than I've ever seen her look before. Just was a masterful performance by her. And uh, yeah, great way to start off the prelims. They had an early prelim fight. Uh, I caught uh, most of it. Chase Hooper, Peter Barrett. 
Uh, Chase Hooper looks like he's 16 years old. Uh, you know, one of the youngest guys on the roster. Um, doesn't look like he could beat up anybody, but uh, ended up getting a submission win in the third round. And, and uh, yeah, he's learning on the fly. He's been in mixed martial arts for a long time. But, yeah, like I said, he looks like a young, young teenage kid. Uh, yeah. I, don't, uh, I don't think many people would be afraid of him, but uh, keeps racking up the wins, 10-1-1 one one in his career. Yeah, yeah, he, he looks like, yeah, I just got out of high school. It's really great. It's great to be here. And he has that kind of attitude, too. So it was cool, cool to see him in there. It's cool to see him in the UFC, and it's cool to see him get that win. That's yeah. a nice submission win, too, at that. Fun, yeah. Yeah. Thank you, UFC, for putting on such an amazing card to um, end the, uh, the year. We've got one fight night left Saturday uh, coming up, and uh, the main event, will be Stephen Wonderboy Thompson fighting Jeff Neal. Uh, Wonderboy's 15-4-1, Jeff Neal's 13-2. Uh, I think this is going to be a great battle. Uh, Wonderboy has had uh, a few hiccups in the last couple of years, but uh, an amazing, amazing striker. And uh, Jeff Neal's a tough, tough opponent. I think this is going to be a good fight. It's going to be a very good fight because it, it's going to be a fight of who can dictate on the other fighter on how they fight. Like, you know, like it's going to be one of those because Wonder Boy would prefer to have distance and just literally pick you a point, pick you apart, point fight you. And Neil wants to just take your freaking head off. Yeah. Period. So it's good. It's going to be a very interesting fight, and I can't wait to see it. Uh, the co-main has Jose Aldo, legendary bantamweight fighter, fighting Marlon Vera. Should be another uh, fantastic battle. Uh, the welterweight fight. Between Michelle Pereira and, and Kaylin Williams, Chaos Williams should be fun. Uh, Pereira's that guy that we saw here in Vancouver doing all the crazy flips and uh, moves in the cage and stuff like that. And Tristan Connolly ended up, uh, you know, uh, battling him and and uh, crushing him for a big win. Uh, Pereira doesn't seem like he's slowing down with any of the antics and and all the dance moves that he likes to bring on, but. Um, yeah, maybe Chaos Williams can finally uh, shut him up and make him just fight like a really <laughs> mixed martial arts fighter. He should, actually, because that guy's no joke, and his power is no joke. So if he wants to do all that, that nonsensical stuff, he's probably going to be going to sleep very, very, very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this Chaos Williams is a lot of fun. Um, yeah, we've got... Uh, Marlon Moraes facing Rob Font, uh, Marcin Tubura facing Greg Hardy in a heavyweight fight. Uh, there's a women's flyweight fight. Uh, Canadian Jillian Robertson's fighting Taylor Santos. Uh, Anthony Showtime Pettis is fighting Alexa Morono. And on the prelims, we've got uh, Bilal Muhammad, remember the name, against Diego Lima. Uh, Sajera Eubanks fighting. We've got Robertson. We've got, yeah, it's, it's an amazing card. Very, very stacked. Uh, tons of fights on the card to uh, end 2020 um, in a great way. Yeah, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a stacked card. It's a great card. And uh, you got some really interesting uh, combinations and fights in that card, especially Diego Lima, because I believe he hasn't fought for a long time. And I want to say, is he a new signing, Diego Lima? Yeah. yeah, because he was not a UFC fighter before, right? Right, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so anyways, I, I'm looking forward to the fight. I really am. I'm looking forward to all the fights. And I, I don't know if it's going to be as good as this one, but I, just, I think it's going to be pretty good. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, well, I can't wait to break it down with you next week. Uh, I'm looking forward to, um, yeah, I guess it'll be good to have a break. You, you and I haven't had a break on the UFC in a very, very long time. Uh, they, once uh, COVID, um, the COVID hiatus was done, uh, we've had uh, fights every single weekend all the way through. And, uh, but it'll, yeah, I'm sure it'll be really fun to break down and then we'll get a break into uh, January. I guess everybody's talking about the big Conor McGregor, Dustin Poirier fight in January. That seems to be getting the most interest. Yeah. Well, Joe Rogan has said that from his social media, that it looks like Conor's actually taking it seriously. And I'm like, wow, nice. He's worth like nine figures, Joe. I, I don't know. Hopefully, <laughs> I guess we'll find out because there's one thing that one guy's taking it very seriously. It's Dustin Poirier. That guy's coming to crack you. And Conor McGregor, you're going to have to take that pretty seriously, buddy, or else you're just going to get really, really hurt there. So yeah, exactly. I, I would imagine that he's not taking this lightly, and it should be a great fight coming forward in uh, February. Yeah. I had a fantastic podcast uh, that I did yesterday. I haven't posted the episode yet. Uh, I need to edit it a bit. But um, uh, I had uh, legendary BC boxer Dale Walters as my guest. Uh, Dale is um, Hall of Famer. Uh, he's um, was in the Olympics. Uh, had some of the be- biggest fights ever in uh, BC history, and uh, it was a really fantastic conversation. Uh, definitely um, watch it when uh, I post it this week. Oh yeah, man! I'll be tuning in, and so should everybody else. That's awesome that you were able to get him. Yeah. Awesome stuff. Really fantastic. Yeah, I'm excited. It was a lot of fun. We had a we had an amazingly great long conversation. And, and uh, yeah, we, we had a lot of a lot of fun. So I'm sure you're gonna love it. Um, yeah, well, uh, we've um, reached we've reached the end of the episode. Uh, I don't have a score. I think it's still scoreless in this um, Sunday nighter. So you'll be able to get to it and watch the rest of it. Enjoy the Sunday nighter, rest of your night. Uh, enjoy the Monday nighter, and uh, have a good week ahead. Last week of work, and uh, we're uh, on holiday. So um, enjoy it. Yeah, I will definitely enjoy it, and I'm definitely looking forward to my Christmas break, for sure, as I know you are my else, too, my friend. Yeah, yeah, me too, yeah. Okay, buddy, all the best. Thanks so much again. Take care. All right, bye-bye. Okay. All right, take care. Bye for now. Okay, well, uh, another edition of Complete Sports Media's podcast has come to a close. I uh, hope you um, enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun, a lot of great NFL, uh, some NBA. Uh, we've got some preseason NBA. We got NBA uh, season back uh, almost here, and then uh, UFC. Amazing car. UFC 256 is something that um, yeah, I think a lot of us are going to remember for a really long time. So uh, thanks again for tuning in. Uh, make sure you go to our um, website and uh, podcast platforms, YouTube, that type of thing. Love you lots. Take care of yourself. Have a really fantastic week. Happy holidays anybody that I don't see before the break. And um, yeah, we will talk soon. Love you lots. Take care of yourself. Bye for now.